Well, hello and good day, marvelous podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you again. I hope that wherever you are in the world that you are doing fantastic. We have an absolutely phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have two incredible guests on the show that have both been on before. We have Dr. Eddie O'Connor, who is a sports psychologist. He is one of the best sports psychologists in the USA, and he has also an amazing course on the great courses. And we also have Howard Falco, who is a spiritual teacher and also a peak performance coach. And we really dive deep on this one and we talk about the psychology of success, excellence, and peak performance for sport and in life. You definitely do not need to be an athlete to get massive value for the, from this episode because we dive into so many things that are applicable to all life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're going to apply it to your family, your business, your sport, your art, it really doesn't matter. We touch on so many important topics. So we talk about understanding the value of making mistakes, uh, why you either win or you learn. Uh, applying the Zen perspective of accepting everything, the three pillars of greatness, rethinking confidence, the four basic human emotions, why you either find a way out or find a way through, the million paths to the way home, why you won't be 100% every single day and how to persevere, uh, why a high, higher level athlete will become more curious than angry and why successful people are lifelong learners. Those are just a few of the notes that I've taken. There are so many more. Um, this is an absolutely tremendous episode. So if you enjoy it, please share. Uh, tag me on Instagram. Tag Howard Falco and Dr. Eddie and let us know where you were listening. Let us know what you like. Let us know if you had any questions, but sharing this the show certainly helps. You can also leave a review in iTunes if you want to support the show. And I want to thank Steve Chapman who wrote, if I could have given Matt more stars, I would have. To state that this podcast has been life-changing is an understatement. If you are considering listening to one of Matt's podcasts, do it. You will not regret it, but be warned, you will be hooked. Love your work, Mr. Belair, and please persist. We need more people like yourself to help hold it all together out here. Big hugs to you, brother. So thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate that. And if you want to support the show, reviews are super helpful. And also Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and toss a buck in the bucket, it helps immensely. And I want to thank Tiffany Thompson and all my patrons for doing that. I'm going to start putting tiers and bonuses and exclusive content. So there is a reason to to do that and there's also the mastermind body and spirit academy that is now open and and i invite all of you guys to there's amazing content and guests and we opened up with a 21 day transformational challenge to help you get an alignment overcome self-sabotage direct your life from the heart out and connect with spirit source in whatever way that you understand it so check that out mattbelair.com there's a link to the academy or bit.ly mind body spirit 21 and join the amazing community that's over there we would love to have you inside the best way you can support this show though if you like this show and you're hearing these words is to do one kind act today pretty please uh let somebody in in traffic pick up a piece of trash get somebody's name that's an act of kindness uh write somebody you haven't talked to in a long time tell somebody you appreciate them that is the absolute best way to support the show if you want to for those of you guys who are inquiring and are interested in coaching, would love to help you out, but you need to be very serious about 
the people that I work with are really like they're in transition. They really want to get clear and uncover their life purpose and life direction. They might be fed up with the way things are and they really want to just focus and they're ready to do the work because it does require work and you want to break through these limiting beliefs to self-sabotage and design on purpose through a process that will help you get crystal clear on your life vision, your life mission, and who you came here to be. And you'll learn all the tools to demystify peak performance, the law of attraction, visualization, self-hypnosis, brain rewiring, all of that stuff made simple. And so if you are interested in that, would love to work with you. Just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and I will happily help you out. So I think that wraps it up. Thank you guys so much for listening. All of my love, support, and gratitude. Wishing you all the best. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we get into this phenomenal episode. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, confidence, inspiration, courage, enthusiasm, and ready to take on this absolutely phenomenal episode with Dr. Eddie O'Connor and Howard Falco. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We have two incredible teachers. They've both been on the show today. Our first guest, Howard Falco, is a mindfulness and mental strength coach and the author of I Am, The Power of Discovering Who You Really Are. Using the power of self-awareness, he works on mental strength with athletes in college and all professional sports. Our second guest, Dr. Eddie O'Connor, is a clinical sports psychologist fellow and certified mental performance consultant through the Association of Applied Sports Psychology and member of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee Sports Psychology Registry. He is also the author and the host of The Psychology of Performance, How to Be Your Best in Life Through the Great Courses. Today, we are going to discuss the mindset of success, excellence, flow state, and so much more. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, for having us. Great to be back. <laughs> yeah, well, you oh. know, this is a little bit of a test. I had the idea recently that I wanted to have multiple guests on, so I, I appreciate you guys being the guinea pigs, and I appreciate you both as individuals, and you both do incredible work. So I thought it would be amazing because there's so much information out there around what a success mindset is, what an excellent mindset is, what is uh, flow state, and you guys are the best to kind of decode those things. So let's begin, I guess, with you guys just sharing a little bit about yourself, and then we will start covering all these topics. Okay. Um, okay, sure. Um, so I'm a uh, mental strength peak performance coach with uh, college and professional athletes. Um, I work in every sport, and I work on the power of self-awareness and how to understand how your identity is a key component to what you create in your life and what results you ultimately achieve. Um, the work comes out of two books I've had published. Um, I am the power of discovering who you really are, as you mentioned, and time in a bottle mastering the experience of life. And I also mirror the work in sports with individuals for the same idea, how to understand, how to look at yourself from a different perspective, shift your awareness 
and the way that you look at who you are, which ultimately leads to a change in what you experience on the surface with what you're trying to create. So it aligns more of your thoughts and feelings with what you're looking to do. And that's uh, the work I've been doing for the last um, 15, 16 years around the world. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm a uh, clinical sports psychologist. So I've got the blend of uh, the mental skills training um, from the sports ecology side, but I also wanted to specialize then in what do athletes struggle with the most. So I guess if I had a tagline, I'd say it's overcoming the obstacles to excellence. Um, I find that uh, we all have big dreams and big goals and, and how, do, how do we get there? But in my work, I, I tend to find that it's more about what gets in the way. Um, so I take a mindfulness approach um, and overlap, I think a lot, Howard, with what you do in the idea of values and what's important to you and then the willingness to do what it takes to get there. Um, and similarly, I work from high school through uh, college and, and pro, um, and then do a lot of public speaking um, to bring the message to larger audiences. Very cool. Awesome, gentlemen. So let's dive right in with the first question. How would you guys define an either a success mindset, an excellence mindset, or let's say like a Zen mindset? Would you define those as characteristics? Would you, you know, how would you distinguish those and um, how do we develop that? That So that's a terribly phrased question. I'll give it back over to you guys to try to uh, muddle through it. Go ahead, Dr. Eddie. Why don't you start with that? Okay. Well, um, one of the things that the biggest obstacles, again, I work with a lot of perfectionists, um, work with a lot of athletes who are really disrupted uh, when they make a mistake. And I love my perfectionists. And I, I wish more people were like that because that striving to get everything right and do everything right, the hunger that they have is fantastic. But when I think of excellence, um, and then you, if you bring in the Zen aspect of it, that's not my expertise, but the idea of, of the peace that can come along with the pursuit of excellence, I really see that there's a large aspect of how do you handle that adversity? How do you understand, um, for example, the value of mistakes? That's a conversation I have a lot with my performers and how they have to change that relationship from it being something that is negative and that's bad and that they use to, to beat themselves up about, but rather that they see every mistake as an opportunity to learn. Now that's almost cliche. We've done so much of that and you hear that all the time, but I find that actually stepping back and really being able, let me ask both of you, if you learn from every mistake you've ever made in your life, how good would you be right now in all of those areas? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See the uh, nodding. And I tend to get like a heck of a lot better than I am right now because of the way our ego gets involved or the way that, you know, um, the shame that we can feel, the embarrassment. So I think that when to answer your question more directly, Matt, when when I think about excellence, I really think of somebody who is is humble enough to really look at where the mistakes are and continue to want to grow um, and actually takes every opportunity as a learning opportunity to move in that direction consistently. Awesome. Excellent. What do you think, Howard? Um, I agree. I think that um, one of the main things is seeing that, you know, you either win or you learn, right? And that's, that's another old phrase in sports um, or in life as well. I, you know, so to me, the excellence mindset or the success-based mindset comes from somebody who has a bigger and deeper trust and faith, not only in themselves and what they're going to ultimately accomplish, but also in the fact of how life works with you. And that, that leads more to the Zen end of things, which is trusting the flow of life and trusting that whatever you're encountering at the time has importance and meaning for you on your journey. And it's a critical component of helping you get to where you want to go. That helps take down the resistance that you might have been feeling towards that when you can operate from that level of, dare I use the word, faith in the process. 
but it, it helps athletes, I think, embrace it more and find the learning in it rather than spend time resisting or being in an emotional state over it. Not that there isn't going to be emotion because there's so much intensity that goes into what these athletes at a high level are trying to do. There's naturally going to be some energy because of that. But the, the lingering effects of the emotion hindering the learning won't be as much when they're in more tune with the process and the fact that this has meaning for them and it's going to help them. And there's a deeper faith in themselves from the standpoint of how much they believe in themselves. And that to me always gets tested in the process. You know, where's your faith and belief in yourself? If you're getting this upset, where's that coming from? So I think excellence comes from a more macro view and a knowing that they're ultimately going to get there. And that carries them through a lot of the challenges versus um, a lack of an excellence or success mindset, which is more of a fear-based mindset, which causes them to get stuck more. So that's how I, I see it. And then the Zen piece coming in is definitely something deeper where you, you, you find a, a richer and deeper meaning in how life has really been working with you your entire life right up to this moment. And that, that's a deep, little bit of a deeper path we can go on, but, uh, but that's to me where the Zen piece comes in. Yeah, those are, those are both great perspectives. And you're both talking about adversity and how we overcome those challenges because that is really what we're always facing in our life. It's a constant path of challenge, adversity, and failure. And how we really handle those things is the most important thing. You know, when I've worked with people and, and talk about, let's say, performance or someone who's sabotaging, it's usually because they're not able to like handle that adversity very well. And one of the concepts I really like is taking that challenge, that failure, but not defining it as failure, just as Dr. Eddie said, see it as an opportunity to learn, but also be like whole as an individual. Like if everything that you are is riding on your success in this sport at whatever stage it is, right? You start in the minors, you go to a higher bar and a higher bar and a higher bar. And if you fail at that, then your identity says, oh, I'm a failure. And you're not going to be able to bounce back. You're not going to be able to um, change anything. And I think it's so important that an individual understands that their power comes from their ability to respond to what happens. And that's what's going to take them to the next step. So maybe you can talk a little bit about adversity and how people handle failure, both in sport and also in life, because people who are entrepreneurs or want to be successful, they have just a different gauge, right? They might want to provide for their families. They might try and go do something in entrepreneurship. So can you guys share a little bit about overcoming adversity and creating a powerful frame around failure? Sure. Um, well, again, I'll go to sort of the Zen end of things, which is from a Zen perspective or a Zen mindset, you know, or flow state, I guess you would call it every, nothing is resisted. So from that general idea, the distinction is that when an athlete has an experience that they don't want, it's not that they're in acceptance that this is going to be in the next moment by accepting it. And that's the fear of accepting the moment. They don't want to accept it because they don't want to believe it's who they are. But that's the only way they're going to improve on the following moment is if they come to acceptance that that's who they've been up to this moment. Because you can't change what you haven't accepted as true. So if you stay in a state of resistance to adversity or challenge, life is very divine in the way that it keeps sending us lessons until we get it, and then it doesn't need to send us lessons anymore. And so to me, the quickest path is just to be in a place where you're prepared as much as you can be 
And this is why I have so much respect for athletes because they're constantly being vulnerable. They're constantly putting themselves out there um, for exposure on whether they're going to succeed or not going to succeed. And, and again, it goes back to that. There's no such thing as failure. It's learning experiences and, and something Dr. Eddie mentioned. Um, but I think what really helps with the adversity is to not see that things in life happen to you, but really embrace the notion that life is working with you all the time. The bigger the mountain you're trying to climb, be prepared because the tests are going to be bigger for you. The storms are going to be bigger. The challenge to get over certain cliffs are going to be bigger than they are if you're climbing a hill. And so the bigger your dream, your awareness has to expand to, to really be ready for that while keeping your mind set on infinite possibility, you know, but to the, to the one that endures comes the ultimate victory. And so that's really what it's going to test the person on. So that's how I would look at it from an adversity standpoint. Yeah. And I can really piggyback on that, uh, that word acceptance. Um, that is huge in, in where I start right from the very beginning, it, combined with the, the expectations. So you had mentioned about that, like if you want to be in the top 1%, that means you have to do what 99% of the other people either can't or won't. Yeah. And there's a real check that I have to do with my athletes at every level um, about the work that it takes to put in. And everybody knows that it's hard work, but almost every athlete I'm working with, they all think that they're working hard. And, I, and they are, but it's the bare minimum to just be part of that team. When you start talking about competition, um, everybody's actually working hard and everybody's working very, very hard. And the higher up you go, the more they're actually sacrificing of their time and their effort and their energies that it becomes a truly elite group. Like we, we use this word of, of greatness and excellence way too much. I mean, the fact is half of us are below average and I don't know anybody that's admitted to being that uh, lower half. <laughs> so the more we start to really respect that I start out with my athletes and, and performers of all kinds, and much like you had said, really starting to say, how do you accept the, the, the trials and tribulations and the effort that has to go in with that? Um, because it's not going to be smooth. And if you have any of those expectations, I think that's the resistance that you were talking about. Yes, of course you don't like it. You're not supposed to. You know, the, the repetitive, if you're learning an instrument and you have to do, you know, certain repetitive movements over and over again for, you know, a thousand hours, that's not fun. But are you willing? One of my favorite words. Are you willing to do the things that you don't like in service of accomplishing this? And that's where I think that the peace starts to come in. It's not a matter of making yourself feel better because winning doesn't feel good or the end result does, but the process of it doesn't. So if you're actually willing to feel all the things that it takes to get there, I think that's where the peace starts to come in. So it's that, that's the acceptance. It's the acceptance of the reality of what it takes. And I think everybody needs that, that check-in. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just thinking as you were talking um, about the success feat and how, how narrow the funnel gets as you start getting to more elite performance and higher levels of, you know, when you go from high school to college to professional, I mean, that funnel gets tight. And because of that, you really have to step up every aspect of being a professional to get there. And this isn't just for sports. This is for business. This is for, you know, relationships that you want to take to the next level of connection and intimacy. I mean, it's, it's everything. So, but, but what I was going to add was I really truly believe that over the last 30 years with media and then recently the last five to seven years with social media, we are so conditioned to see the final product when the lights are on that yeah. everything looks or, you know, we hear about the IPO where the guy made 2 billion or 
you know, we see, you know, the success in, in entertainment. Um, and we're so conditioned to think, oh, I want to do that. And if people had any idea what is going on behind the scenes, you know, when I first started this work and worked with athletes and, you know, it was in locker rooms all the time, the amount of intensity, focus, energy, and work day in and day out, it would shock most people what the work is done before those lights go on on the field or the court. And that goes for business as well as an entrepreneur or, you know, even relationship struggles before someone has just an amazing one. So it, there's a lot of work behind it. And I think that people that are on this path sometimes need an awareness check on, okay, I need to really be ready to dig in and work for this and put my head down and keep working until I'm there. And, and no, uh, we can't even expect it. Like no matter how well this podcast is projected, no matter how many times we say it, it reminds me of when I was coaching um, rocket football. And so these, these fifth graders were out there and my friend is coaching and he's yelling at these kids to dig deep. And I turned to him, I'm like, they're going to pull out like beach shovels. Like what, they have no idea what digging deep means and all these things about, you know, <laughs> toughness. I'm like, they, they, they don't know what you're talking about. They have no perspective. And I think at every level of sport, um, and as performance as you go on, no matter how we talk about it, we don't have the language, I think, to, it's just something that you have to experience. And that's the joy of, of my job and your jobs, I think, that you, you'd agree, that walking them through that process and reminding them and, and, and re highlighting that, hey, don't you, of course you're going to get frustrated when the adversity shows up, but you're supposed to. This is part of the process. Of course you're surprised at how hard this is. Of course you could never imagine it because you've never been here before. This is your personal best. You have to hurt more than you've ever hurt before. I say that a lot with my runners. Speed, like it's just a pain tolerance sport. <laughs> it's like the faster you go, the more you're going to hurt. And if you want comfort, it's going to come at the cost of a personal record. So be ready for that and, and be ready to not like it and yeah. learn each and every time that you do it. Oh, really, really yeah. good. You guys, you guys shared so much stuff in just that, that I want to go on so many different tangents. So I'm going to share like a few ideas that I was thinking when you guys were speaking and one of you can just pick up um, what you feel is most exciting. But I love how you guys are talking about the process because we definitely live in that world of the finished product, right? Where nobody wants to do the hard work. And on top of that, people want the quick fix. And I was listening to Mark Devine on... Uh, Michael Gervais podcast and he's got a great podcast on sports performance and both of them were like we are so upset with the biohacking culture because they are such high performers and they're aware of how much effort it takes people don't want to put in the effort they want that easy road but you can tell and I like uh, Dr. Eddie your example of the funnel getting tighter of how much actual work and sacrifice goes into it I remember hearing somebody say something along the lines like, if you want to be an Olympic gold medalist, you need to uh, commit suicide. And it's social suicide, uh, family suicide, you know, all the all everything else is going to be dropped for you to just focus in on this one thing, because someone else is going to be doing that. And you need to be able to compete at this level, you need to be able to endure the process at this level. And so my question to you guys is, how important do you think talent versus process is do you think talent is is more important than process and how does one develop that mental toughness and that grit well howard i'll let you take it it was your funnel <laughs> <laughs> um so i i see it as as a three-legged stool there's hard work grit 
and hard work, which is actually what develops the talent. Then there's talent that can be, you can, you can be born with some of it and then develop some of it. So that's the second leg of the stool. And then the third leg for greatness is the belief. And you can have grit, hard work, and belief, and it'll work. You can have talent and belief, and it'll work. But it won't work with just grit and talent without the belief. So I think the belief is the key component in that. Um, so it's great to have that effort, but the will to work that hard, that, that is fueled by the belief because that's what'll push you through anything. That's when you won't stop because that belief carries you through. When there's doubt, then there's hesitation and doubt can be a poison. But you know, that's okay. It's part of the process of moments of having doubt and then having success and not having success and learning from it and getting fired up again. And that's why when the sun comes up every day, it's a new morning. I tell a lot of my golfers, hey, it's a new round. The old round doesn't exist anymore. You got a blank scorecard. So you get to go and create it any way you want today. You know, it's gotta be a new shot each time. It, it, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Exactly. So, um, so I, I like grit and I think grit's an important component, but I think it's gotta be fueled by will. Um, and then ultimately it's to develop talent and then the, the vulnerability to go out there in the moments that really matter and, and make yourself vulnerable enough to either succeed or if you don't succeed to learn why you didn't and then to dig in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious too, like what you, you guys would think, because I feel like, you know, I use the example, let's say LeBron James is going to, is going to make the game winning shot or whoever the case is. Right. And if, if he's at the line and he believes he's going to make the shot, but also his life is in order all around that, like his family life, his process, everything else is good. And he has less stress and less identity with making the shot. He is just making that choice to make the shot through his own free will, but is okay with missing it. And if you can be okay with, with failure while directing every bit of your will into what you're doing, I feel like that is that fine line of like surrender, but also focused intention. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I, I like that because I'm not going to disagree with what we're saying, I, I think, but maybe shift it from a sideways perspective and, and reducing it. So um, Andrews Erickson is, talks about the, the expert on expertise, and he actually says there is no such thing as talent. And what he explains that by is that, you know, even perfect pitch, for example, which you thought you were born with can actually be trained if you do it in the right way through deliberate practice and you do it early enough. So I'm kind of on board with that. Now, of course, if I'm seven feet tall, it's going to be easier to play basketball than if I'm five feet tall. So there are, of course, biological things. And some people have things uh, learn them more easily than others. There are physiological differences. Um, and if I train for the NFL right now, I would not make it. So there's a limitation <laughs> to when and where. But putting some of that stuff aside, I think that the tremendous respect for the deliberate practice and the training um, is really where it, it comes down to. And much of what I work with too, is that the negative thinking, the lack of confidence and how frequently that shows up and how normal it is. Um, I try, of course, to help my athletes be positive and be confident because things are easier that way. But I also train them to, to not trust when they're not and to learn how to actually still execute, as you were saying, Matt, to still just dial into the focus on executing shot, no matter what your life is like, or no matter whether you can believe it or not, because maybe you're just trusting the mechanics of what needs to be done. And I find that that simplification helps 
to move them away from some of the psychological warfare that can go on in the battle that pulls them out of the game or out of the moment or out of that flow state. So I'm not in disagreement. Um, I think it's a lot easier and it's great when we can have them do that. But I do like to, to say that, well, when you can't, you still need, you still need to be able to perform. And sometimes that's without the confidence. Right. Yeah, I and think, I, yeah, go ahead, Howard. No, I was just going to add, I think that really is one of the separating factors, at least in the, my experience with my athletes, what makes a difference is those when there's nights or days where they don't have it can still gut it out and manage it enough to be, to, to make it good enough for that day until they get back in the flow. Or let's say, you know, let's take an example in football, if Tom Brady has two bad drives under his belt, he can manage that well enough and keep his mindset focused and positive enough so that he gets in there the third time he, that belief's going to shine through and he's going to, he's going to end up executing it. So he manages it during the times when for some reason it's not there, or if a player misses at the free throw line, it doesn't affect him again because he's living out of that bigger belief in the macro perspective that when he gets to the line again, he's got no fear, no doubt about it, and he's in a new moment. Um, and then the other comment, I agree with you on the talent part that really, it's really all can be developed, but I guess it comes down to the definition of what is talent then, right? Um, right. Some people are, are naturally born with faster twitch muscles and, and a certain awareness, hand-eye coordination, but it still has to be worked on and developed. Um, and that grit needs to be there. And of course, the belief piece without that, it, it's, it doesn't matter. I've seen some of the greatest athletes with the greatest amount of talent and the belief just gets in their way and it becomes a self-destructive um, process. Yeah, I think you guys both shared really powerful insights in that. And I kind of had a, a Trojan horse and an agenda in that one because I was reading, I'm reading now uh, Carol Dweck's book. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And basically the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And it seems to me that, you know, I think Dr. Eddie made some great distinctions where, you know, you might have some setbacks, right? There might be actual setbacks. If I want to go for the NFL right now and I apply everything I can, maybe there's a, an opportunity, you know, and it's possible if I, if I dedicated all of my life and my being to it with a hundred percent belief, it would give me the best shot at it right? That's what I would need to do that. And in extreme sports where, you know, my background is more based, I'm talking to athletes who want to sometimes do something that's never been done. And so how do they develop that confidence to go try that trick that has never even been done by anyone else to go perform, to perform that? So how do they develop the strongest mindset possible to give them the best opportunity while also realizing that failure is a part of the game? But I think the important distinction that I wanted to share is that even if people, some people say, I have no talent. Some people say, I have no this, I have no that. Then it becomes an excuse. But what I've learned and what I've seen is that if we have, I think it would be two of Howard's pillars, just real tenacity and grit and the ability to overcome those obstacles towards our goal, the chances of us succeeding, especially in business. And if it's not directly correlated to your physical ability or what you might be gifted with, your chances of success are huge. And it seems like so many of those great people like Michelangelo or, or things like that, they became, I remember seeing this quote recently, and this is where my mind is going, where their greatest work was in 60, 70, 80. And so we get to kind of choose the direction of our life and our greatness by continuing the process, overcoming adversity, even if we started with no talent whatsoever. guys want to say something about that 
<laughs> um, that was a great statement. Um, uh, I think that leads to this idea of endurance. And, and endurance is backed up by will. And will is backed up by belief. So at the end of the day, what's driving the ultimate outcome? What caused the paintings in the Sistine Chapel? Belief. Because that created will and will created endurance over decades to, to, to accomplish it. Um, or David, same thing. You know, how many hours and days and weeks and months did it take before that was finished? But that started all in mind with the belief that it was possible. So to me, it's an unavoidable cornerstone of getting to the next level. And obviously the next question is, and, and the real, real key is, how do you keep raising that belief in yourself? Despite having so much adversity, how do you keep going no matter what? And, yeah, uh, that's what I wanted to ask you guys. If you had tips for developing confidence in general, I feel like in working with people, and I saw Dr. Bruce Lipton talk about this, and he just talked about people's internal dialogue, and it was like 90% of his audience polled would always have just a negative frame going inside their mind. And that's not ideal. You would ideally be your cheerleader. And so how would one, or how do you help your athletes develop confidence? Because there's always those levels. Even if you're confident at stage one, when you go up in competition or you go up in challenge, whatever it may be, it's going to be a harder task. And so we still need to have that confidence, even though we might be threading that needle of, of what our capabilities are. Yeah, I end up, I often don't make confidence the, the, the biggest target. And the reason for that is that I've seen a lot of confident athletes fail. Um, and then there's that factor of overconfidence. So when an athlete often, and they often come in saying, hey, I got to think positively and feel confident to play better. So what I like to teach them is that there's an independence of those three things. Um, I have an exercise where I do, where I have them walk while they say that they can't walk and they feel weird. And it illustrates that, you know, these are separate entities. And it's really great when I think I can do something and I feel confident. And it's so much easier than to move in that direction. So, and it might be the clients that I end up seeing, but I really am working through a lot of people who are struggling. And I think it's almost more important to detach from the lack of confidence than to necessarily have it. Because again, I want to be getting them back to, Maybe we'll call it self-efficacy as we talk about operationalizing the terms. You know, they do have to have that sort of confidence or that belief that they can execute the move or the skill or, or the task at hand at that point. Because if you, if you don't have that self-efficacy, that belief that you can actually do it, well, then you're right. Like, if I don't believe that I can do uh, a somersault off a diving board, I'm not going to do that. And that would be a good thing for me to not believe. It'd be good for me not to believe that. <laughs> so I'm usually trying to get my athletes to detach and see that it's their mind's job to actually worry. Um, this anxiety that often comes in during adversity is one of four basic human emotions. We've got happiness, sadness, anxiety, and anger. And if we're trying to live in 25% of what it means to be human, we're screwed. If we can only perform in 25% of the feelings that we could possibly have, we're, we're going to have problems. So how do we perform with these other three? And sometimes it's a matter of recognizing that my, my, when I'm not confident or I'm fearful, it's coming out of a place that I care. Like if I think that I suck, it's often not, because my athletes who think they're terrible, they're actually among the best. It's not the worst athletes on the team that are struggling because they think they suck, even if they do, because they don't care as much. So this relationship with the anxieties, we started the podcast out talking about the choice of how do I interact with this fear? That's really where I end up emphasizing 
is it's much more about not believing the lack of confidence and getting back to what you need to do. Whether you think you're great or not, sometimes is irrelevant to the task. If I think I'm a great sports psychologist, great. I mean, maybe it makes me feel better, but does that help me do better with you as you sit in front of me? Or do I need to tune into what you're saying and then let somebody else judge whether that's good or not? Yeah. So I, I tend to try to de-emphasize that and really get back to the, the action focus. This is interesting because we're coming from two completely different methodologies, maybe getting to the same result, but yeah. that is, and, and I hope this is okay, it's just completely counter to my approach, which is really fascinating to me to listen to and to hear that, how you're taking on and having them embrace that as okay as part of the process. Um, uh, uh, you know, is fear a good thing? And maybe it's a distinction between confidence and belief that needs to be made. For me, confidence is a point at which your confidence in the development of your skills and what you're doing in the task at hand, and you've got a good feeling going through you about it, and it's causing you to be in a more calm state about it and a more, and, and the calmer you are, the more I believe your awareness expands, the closer you are to balance. That's why they say in baseball, never too high, never too low, because in emotional states, you lose perspective, your awareness starts to shut down. So if you're too negative, your awareness shuts and focuses only on the most negative. If you're too positive, that like you mentioned, you can, um, you can be in an overconfident state where you're not entertaining the possibilities you need to make. I've worked with pitchers before that, um, you know, they felt like there were certain guys they could get. And I said, that's a dangerous and slippery slope. Be careful about that. You always want to respect them just enough for being in the game that you pitch to them properly so that they don't expose that kind of ego or that lack of awareness and respect for who they are. That's when you tip the scales in their favor. But um, so, so I, I approach it from the standpoint, not that you're avoiding the emotions you feel, but you're, you're digging into why you have the fear and where it's coming from. And if there's fear and anxiety, it's coming from a belief of can't or won't somewhere. And what I've discovered in my work is that our deepest, truest thoughts are what life is always working to help us um, materialize, positive or negative. And it may be separate from what we want, but that truth has to be made manifest. And then we get to decide whether or not we like it or not, and then dig in. So the self-awareness piece is, where is the lack of belief in what you're capable of? And is that belief true? And that starts to go through the layers. And this gets back to Matt, what you're really asking is, how do you build that belief? And I, and again, this isn't, this is why I don't want to, we, we can lose ourselves in semantics here. So I want to, I don't want to lose it in being overconfident or cocky or, or saying, oh, I'm the best, but not having the work behind it. It's about having all the work behind it. It's about uh, developing the town and, and doing all the technical work, but it's also having the belief that you're capable of it so that you're in the most calm state when the moment arises to let that true talent come through. Because if there's a counter belief, it's going to work against you. In my, my experience, it could work against you at some point in, in helping that, that ultimate success come through. Because again, life's got to match you with what you truly believe is true. So as soon as one belief has 51% more energy than the other belief, then life switches on you. And, it, yeah, and, it, and actually, I'm in complete agreement with you. Like you said, we phrase it differently and come at it, but we end up in the same place. And I'm sure we end up in the same place because I believe that as humans, there's only one way to do it right. So, you know, the, I, I think that, uh, oh, you said two, two really good points. When you talk about how the negative thoughts get there, 
I think that's the difference with the positive and the negative thinking or the belief and not belief is that when you believe um, it's there, it's quiet, and it's not in the front, as you put it, like the task ends up being in front. But when you don't believe and you have those negative thoughts and you're fused with them, then that's when the forefront and that's the between you and your performance. So mm -hmm. um, I like the way that you had phrased it in that way, because I think that's the function and then the interaction with it. Um, yeah, I, I'll stop there on that, that point, because uh, I think that was a really beautiful way that you had, had put it. Um, and maybe I guess the second point that I was going to say is um, it's almost like maybe another word is the trust. It sounds like you're describing trust, you know, whether yeah. that be trust in yourself. And yeah, I like that, that concept yeah. very much. It's, it's trust in the ultimate outcome. And that I think when you, when you, when the athletes that I've experienced at the highest level, yeah, they get upset when they don't execute a bat and they get pissed. But what I say, what I often tell people is that the higher level athlete gets more curious than he does angry when he doesn't execute because he wants the information out of that moment. The, the one who's more in doubt about their ability or more in fear if they're going to stay up you know, an MLB or if they're going to execute or eventually um, succeed, they stay more angry because that fear is, is perpetuating the anger. So how do we get, and again, each athlete is different. So, and I believe it's a very a la carte world now. It's not, you can't teach to the masses as much as we used to. It's more individual based, based on where everybody is. But how do you get that individual to believe in themselves more? What is the, because my feeling is that we're all capable of truly anything we put our mind to once we understand the process and what we're up against. Um, so where is the belief that's preventing you? And can you have the self-reflection long enough to dig in to find it, to at least question whether it still serves you or not? And, you know, to your point earlier, Dr. Eddie, you said that a lot of people use a lot of that anxiety has pushed them to a certain level. And a lot of my players, you know, are used to using fear to drive them to this point. And I say, great, if that's working for you, keep doing it. But the reason we're working together is because it hasn't anymore. It's gotten you to here, but maybe what's going to get you the next level is now to drop some of that and go more into faith. And so, yeah, and let me clarify, actually, it's not the, the fear that's driving them. It's the fear that drives them into my office. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that quite seriously, because I'm in complete agreement with you is that, that that's uh, yeah. that, that formula is not going to work yeah. longhand now or, right. or, or long term. Now, sometimes it can be, it's like, gosh, if I, if I, I'm so afraid of losing, right? I hate losing so much. I've heard, you know, I've seen that the world's best will be like, I hate it so much. I'm going to do everything I can to be sure that it doesn't happen again. But again, it's a transformation where they're not doing it in fear. They're doing it in a very positive way. But can you, can you back up? Cause I love that sentence. I want you to say it again. I think it's gold that the highest level, when they, they fail or they make mistakes, they become curious. Can, can yeah, you say they, that again? They get, they get, yeah. At the highest level, when they don't execute, the higher level player, the more, the, the more successful or the one really achieving excellence and success will get more curious than they get angry. Whereas the, the reversal is true for someone who's not at that level yet, yet. Um, yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Oh, cool. Awesome. I'm going to steal it. No, please. <laughs> please. That's what please this is for, it. man. Yeah, it's exactly. Like it's a treat for me to just watch you guys talk because you're, you're again, I've interviewed you both separately and you're so wise. And what I'm thinking of is like the million paths to the way home. When someone has a firm understanding of an idea or a process that's very helpful, you can kind of get to that same result. And when we're talking about these ideas around mindset and psychology and excellence, 
you can only have more information and then test it and see if it works, see if it makes sense, see if it's true. And you'll have a body of work that we've like, you know what, this should work or this shouldn't work. But then when we test it on different people, on ourselves, we're going to have a higher level of understanding whether that works or, or not. And we're going to all learn. And I was thinking about when we're developing confidence, you know, the, the, I think it's called the, the ladder. What the heck? It's like a, um, you know, you go from, unconscious incompetence than conscious incompetence. So I didn't know that snowboarding existed, so I didn't know I couldn't do a backflip. Then conscious incompetence, I know snowboarding exists and I now am aware that I cannot do a backflip, right? Then there becomes conscious competence where I try my first one, I probably fail a few times, I research it, I get on a trampoline, I train, I train, I train, and I get one. But I have to focus really, really hard until we get to that final stage of uh, conscious or unconscious competence. And I can just do it without thinking about it because there's so much repetition, practice, and mastery of that skill. And what we're talking about here is mastery, but the process to mastery takes so long to get to and when you guys are talking my mindset's a little bit different because mine is in extreme sports and mine's in martial arts and so I always think about this in equate of how I would have to do that in a fight or how I would have to do it when I'm leveling up and doing a trick or, or really um, trying something out of my realm of possibility it's like you know I know a double backflip's possible but if I frig it up there's going to be some serious consequence. And in a, in a fight standpoint, it's interesting because I've talked to some MMA fighters that told me that when they entered the skate, the cage, they were not confident. They were able to kind of power through. And then that reminded me of the idea of like a champion's mind or a winner's mind or a success mindset. They'll find a way through or you find a way out. And that's what fighters will always say. They'll know the second you are trying to find a way out where that champion, like the Diaz brothers or people like that, they're never trying to find a way out. They are trying to find a way to beat you. And that mental resolve and that belief in their skill and that, um, you know, unconscious competence is, is so amazing because the consequences are so high you know and so it's really something that you embody in your being and I feel like when we're talking at the highest levels of mastery and mindset it's it's in every cell of your being for how you walk how you talk how you practice and also all of those failures are what encompass that identity and not in like the like this is who I am it's just like this is what I'm capable of and I think if you can do that with like the full surrender of knowing that there's always more. And that's why I like snowboarding and skateboarding, martial arts, baseball. There's never a final level mastery. It's not like, oh, well, this guy got to the final level of mastery and he could stop learning. It's this continuous learning. It's this continuous growth. So I'm not going to ask a question. I'll let you guys comment on that statement if you want. And if you want a question, I'll go into flow state, but I'll give it back to you boys. Yeah, I think it was to the, the aspect which you were talking about you know, confidence and how to develop it. I didn't answer it a half hour ago, but it's <laughs> that aspect of um, preparation. So I love that you brought up the concept of mastery because that's really where if you're going to have confidence, you have to know that you've done everything possible in the preparation to get you to that point. And that's often too where then athletes, even if they lose, they can lose with their head held high, knowing that they just, you know, they gave their best. And I think that surprised a lot of my athletes. Like, I mean, I wish I could say everybody I've worked with has won, but that's not the case. And the difference is, is that even when they win, but they haven't been fully prepared, they kind of feel lucky or there's still some anxiety. Um, but when they lose and they've done everything that they can, um, like you had said, Howard, they kind of come back and they're like, okay, I, I could just be hungry or I'll get you next time. Or as you had said, Matt, there's that drive of, I can be better. 
I just have to prepare more. It's that learning that we talked about very much at the beginning about I had no idea it would take this much. Um, I think I love CrossFit. And so I think about Matt Frazier and he talked about the best thing that happened to him was taking second because he realized that as much as he was working, he had to work even harder. And then he's gone on to dominate the games the last few years um, because he had to go what he thought was all in, but even more all in. There was always that another level and it's preparation. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the, the comment, Matt, about the, um, you know, just the level, the Diaz brothers, the level of their being, it's who they are, right? And obviously the title of the book being I Am and how that is defined drives every single aspect of your life, how you interpret yourself, how you handle adversity, how you respond to it, how you look at going forward. And as long as there's movement towards creating that identity and you know you're moving towards it, you can go through an experience, like you say, where you walk off the field or the court or out of the ring and you know you gave your best and you can still feel on some level, not that you're happy if you didn't execute or win, but you can still feel good about the fact that you know you advance towards what you're trying to become. And I think as long as an athlete knows they're moving forward, they're going to stay engaged in the process because it's a journey. It's, you know, it's, it, and it is the journey that's, that's enjoyable. As long as they know they're in that process, then before they know it, by staying in the process, they'll be at the destination. It's, it's like when you climb, a, when you go on a hike and you're talking to someone and you're walking, all of a sudden you stop and turn around and you look and you're like, wow, did we really come this far already? Can't believe it. We've been talking for so long, didn't even realize it. That's what staying in the process is about. And um, I just was thinking about an athlete I had that just stepped up to the next level in something. and did really, really well, but the team didn't win. But he can't control all that with the team, but he only control what he did. And he did really well. And he, you could see the joy, even though he wasn't happy they didn't win, which I understood. There was still a joy in the advancement of what he was trying to do to further himself to validate what he believes he's going to become. And I think that can help with adversity. It can link to adversity too. If you can link that when you're going through that to, hey, this is part of the process that's going to get you to where you want to go. And again, I like to take this past sports, but whether it's a business challenge or whether it's a relationship challenge, it's the same thing. There's something in this. And that's how, for lack of a better word, that's how divine I believe life to be. It's really trying to help us in our creativity to manifest whatever we're trying to create for ourselves or show us that uh, we're delusional in certain aspects that we need to adjust our awareness and, and course correct um, to get there or to get to a different format of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement. Um, and actually I actually have a, I do have a question before we get to flow for, for both of you, because it's again, one of the points that you had started off and, and maybe you can speak to this from your, from your book, about the idea of, I am, we talked about identity. And so certainly I see a lot of clients where their identity is wrapped up in the outcome and the wins and the losses and their, in the scholarships, et cetera. Um, and when they invest so much of their time and energy, I mean, I think we all somewhat have our identity wrapped up in who I am as a father or a sports psychologist or what have you. But if our identity is what we do, we inevitably run into problems, particularly as athletes, because you, you lose or you age out or you retire. So I'm curious how you guys um, work with your athletes to get their identity out of their outcomes and where do you move them into to be in that centered best place? Do you want me to take that matter? Yeah, go for okay, it, yeah, Howard. Sure. I'll go after okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, from my standpoint, the way I work with my athletes is if they're focused on outcome, they're not focused on the process. And to me, the process is what gets them to the outcome. 
So I had one athlete uh, in the golf world that was very frustrated, wasn't getting the outcome he wants, and that was self-fulfilling bad rounds because there was so much pressure to do well. It was just continuing to get worse and worse. And what I offered was to completely let go of the uncontrollable, which was what was going to happen, what was, who was going to ask him to go to next level, recruiting, whatever it was that was going to happen. You can't control that. Stay in the controllables. And how does that serve you anyways to worry about that and to be concerned about that outcome or be concerned about the last outcome that wasn't good? It doesn't help what you're trying to execute now. Right now, take control of the controllable. The controllable is you know what you're doing here over the ball. You know exactly the kind of shot you want to hit. You've done it a million times before. Focus on that and then focus on the next shot, wherever your, 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 your ball ends up or whatever situation you, you encounter to get the ball in the hole in as few strokes as possible to end up looking at a card where it's got a nice number on it. But don't go past the moment. Now, there's a component in this that is unavoidable, and that's faith. If you lack faith, fear is going to creep in and poison the whole outcome. At some point, you have to give it up to faith, something you don't know about, you can't see the outcome, you don't know what's going to happen, and there's a trust or a faith just in the process that if I just focus on what I have trained and what I know how to do, and I stay in that moment, and I don't let my mind get ahead of me, then the rest will take care of itself. And there's no guarantee on that. So it's not about having an identity. It's more of so just being sure that your identity is not wrapped up in the outcome. Correct. The identity is for the moment they're executing what they're trying to do. It's the identity is how awesomely can I execute what I'm doing right now? Not what's the outcome going to be because that's a combination of all of that moment to moment work. So it's, it's really about really present mind and, and being mindful about where you're at right now and what you have to do without letting your mind wander. Because the minute it wanders, it may project. And if it projects and it's not positive, it's going to poison the present moment. And it's going to start leading to that self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have to disconnect it. I have to get them to disconnect to just focus on this. And then before they know it, they, they come off 18 and like, they don't even know what they shot, you know, which is my ultimate situation is that they don't know what they, you know, and then they look at their card and they're like, wow, yeah, wow, bud, yeah. But that's because you finally let go of an uncontrollable and the fear associated with that uncontrollable. Howard, I, I love all that. And Dr. Eddie, that's a really great question. It's so deep yeah, because awesome part of it is, uh, you know, the identity and going into ego and in, in the spiritual world, which the podcast dives into and a lot of my research as well, you know, a lot of it out there is like beating down the ego, like the ego is bad or the identity is bad. I feel like that's not true. It's a part of the preferences. Maybe I prefer to be an athlete because I enjoy expressing myself in this way. Um, when ego goes too far and it's like, I'm a football player and, but then I've got like the ego part of like, now I've got to buy all these shiny things and, and, and do all this crazy stuff. Um, I had a, an athlete I was coaching and uh, he, he's a professional football player and he goes, I go, how accurate is ballers? And he's like, it's more accurate than you'd think. And then I was like, whoa, man, that's, that's crazy. And so that's where I think the ego can kind of um, go a little bit of awry. And for, for me, what I have an understanding of, of what I think the most ideal and pinnacle mindset would be would would be to be can you do your sport can you do your profession can you be that entrepreneur can you have that outcome and goal and lose and still be whole complete wow, joyous good. and fulfilled really as a human being that's to powerful. miss the game-winning shot and be like oh shoot you know i really want to make that shot 
But you know what? My family life is great. My contribution to community is great. My relationships is, are great. And one of the things that I've learned from interviewing so many amazing people is, you know, qualities of like a quote unquote enlightened person, which may be just a little bit more happy, a little bit more like directing their life on purpose, not on default. If you're a victim to your circumstance, you know, the enlightenment, I think is just a, a few key principles. But one of them that I've noticed is not what can I get? You know, how do I get that championship? How do I get all of these different things is how can I give now when we want to achieve a goal, maybe I have a podcast goal, maybe I have a, a goal of my book, maybe I have a, a future goal of, of something else. That's fine as an expression of me, but it doesn't define me completely. That's just one way that I want to express here in the same way, uh, Bruce Lee, a martial artist, obviously people know who Bruce Lee is. He's one of my you know, greatest teachers and somebody I studied my whole life. He would just say like, it's an expression of you. And he also studied philosophy and was really great and put out a lot of perspectives that way but he was really about this balance of like putting every ounce of your being into how you want to express like you are here express right but it is so much bigger than whatever that expression is this life is so mysterious that if all you're trying to do is just focus on one acquisition of an outcome you're going to be missing a lot more and i think that when an athlete is relaxed, when they're whole, when they're complete, when their life is in order, they're going to express way better. And we know that when you go through uh, and you're trying to perform and you have stress hormones, you, you perform worse. If you're super stressed out, if you're worried about making the shot, if everything is a muck over here, it's so hard for you to concentrate because everything's all frigged up. But when everything's peaceful and you're super zen, you know, you're good and you can go perform and you can choose that outcome. Go ahead, Howard. No, no, it's so awesomely, beautifully said, Matt. And it's so ironic. It's the acceptance that you're going to be okay if you miss the shot that actually increases the probability of a really high make percentage. And that's the letting go piece. It's let go to receive, right? You've got to give it up in order to, to not get it, but to be free and open to be your best. And, and I, I love how you said that. That was really well said. Eddie, did you want to throw in, want to throw in a, a thought? No, I could only dilute it. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking the question. And, you know, I want to honor your guys' time. And, and this has been such a treat. I could talk to you guys about so many different things. But I, I wanted, if you guys could just, just touch a little bit on flow state, because I feel like that's one of those pieces out there that's, again, trying to get biohacked. You know, I even show, uh, you know, in my Zen Athlete program, and I can increase the probability of you getting into a more powerful frame of mind. Um, but those flow states, those experiences when I'm on my snowboard or I've had these runs on my snowboard where I, I did so many hard tricks and landed them all perfectly. And at times it would take all of my concentration to land one of those things perfectly. And I'm like, why am I, what's, what's going on today? What is, what is so different? And my thing about flow state that I believe is so important and we've touched on this is its process. You know what I mean? It's these breakthroughs, especially in skateboarding. Skateboarding is so much failure you know, and, but over time, over increments of time of so much practice and process, practice and process, you have these experiences where you are just so good and you are actually in flow and it's coming naturally and you're experiencing unconscious competence. And so I'm just curious if you guys could weigh in on how you guys train your athletes or what you view flow state as. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's like, was it eight or nine qualities that officially define what a flow state is? And I think one of the most important ones is feedback without evaluation 
which is my sort of twist on it. Like you need to be able to get that moment to moment feedback um, so that you're in the moment of the performance, so that all of your attention and energy is on what's happening right now. And to not get caught up in your head. The other aspect is, is that, you know, we can't just automatically have that because we also need a, a, a challenge that's going to engage us enough. So we will escape the flow state if it's too easy or too difficult. So sometimes the flow state isn't always in our, um, in our control either. Um, so, and I guess maybe the last third quick point about it is that um, we can't be in it all the time. And I think the more that we strive to be in it, that disrupts it because now we're striving for a flow state. We're not really invested in what we're actually doing. So um, when we talk about these peak performances, we call them a peak for a reason because we don't do them all the time. So um, I think Howard, you were saying it earlier is that, you know, we have to really kind of go into our competitions and expect that most of the time we're not going to be at our best, but we have to give a hundred percent of whatever it is that we have. We've only got 80% today. Then we've got to give a hundred percent of that 80%. And I think that brings us close to, to that flow state. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and if that is what we have that day, then guess what? That is our best for that day. And, and right. not that you want to accept it for tomorrow, but that you can accept that it is for the moment so that you can get into the flow state with it instead of having any resistance towards it. It's like when my if golfer's fighting the way that his, he's brought his swing to the golf course for the day, it's going to get worse. But if he accepts that that's what he has for the day, he can learn to play with it and manage the round that way and stay in the competition and stay and stay in in the game in in um it, you know in the hunt so to speak and you know which reminds me of one of my favorite quotes or favorite quotes from Jack Nicklaus who said you know I didn't win my 18 majors by playing my best I won my 18 majors by managing my poor rounds better than anybody else could during the tournament until I got to a good round so it was about him accepting when he didn't have his best, to be able to manage that, to know how to be a champion. And that's part of it is, um, you know, it's the pursuit of perfection, not whether or not you're achieving perfection at every moment, but pursuing it and being okay with where you're at at each moment with the will to get better in the next moment, I think is the perfect balance. And, you know, for me, getting more specific about flow state, it's like when all the work and all the struggle and all the hard hours and, and blood, sweat, and tears comes down to the moment where you finally just know before you even step onto the course or the court or uh, the field that you are right where you're supposed to be. And then there's no worry about outcome anymore. It's just about absorbing total awareness of where you're at and everything you know how to do and trusting that and letting it go. And the more you can get prepared for that before that, the more you can let go when it begins, the more you'll be in flow state uh, for longer periods of time during your competition. Um, and it's, it's amazing to watch great sporting events. That's why it's so fun to see athletes in that space. We're just like, we know the magic is there and it's coming. And sure enough, we can sense it. We can feel it. We've all watched it long enough to tell when somebody's, not there and when they're there and it's it's really uh but it is fleeting it's it's yeah. a fleeting place you realize that you're in it you're out of it <laughs> yeah, exactly right that's why in baseball when someone's throwing a no hitter after the inning when they come into the dugout everybody scampers to the other end of the dugout no one wants to go near them they don't want to talk to them they don't want to touch them they don't want to just 
don't even like just let him be in that state. Don't, don't ruffle where that guy is. You know, it's just, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, and uh, it reminds me, <laughs> I'll never forget. It was a world series about five years ago. I forget who the pitcher was for the Mets. And he was just mowing people down. And the manager told him in the dugout that he wasn't going out for the next inning. And he lost his mind because he was in flow state. But the manager went to this whole new area that baseball is in of sabermetrics, where it's all about numbers and left brain and said, no, you've got your pitch count. And he's like, look at him. Like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like in my peak state. I'm like the crowd, the energy, like, and sure enough, he put somebody else in, gave up a couple of homers and they lost and got knocked out. I forget who it was. It was about five years ago or four years ago. It was an incredible moment. But anyways, I digress. So that to me is, <laughs> is, is what flow state, how to get, how to be most, most prepared to, to present the conditions for yourself to let it happen more easily. Amazing guys. And I think the one thing that you said there that I'd like to add on to is the environment, just like having that awareness and, and not taking that feedback. Cause I think that when you start to analyze everything, sport is happening too fast for you to analyze it immediately. Anyways, you, you can, it's all happening un unconsciously and in life too. I feel like the only difference is it happens a little bit slower. And, and to use the example of one of the athletes that I worked with Brody Carmichael and I reference him a lot because he fell on a front flip and he wanted to land a front flip on his motorcycle. And so I said, Hey, you don't have to read my book. You don't have to go through my course. What you need to do is you need to visualize this trick um, until you know, you can land it, visualize it one hour a day until you know, you can land it. And I could say this because his mental game was strong. He had ability. He was in, within his realm and everything else was um, positive. So three weeks later, he landed the front flip. Three weeks later, he landed the world's front flip heel clicker on a motorcycle. Wow. Three weeks after that, he landed wow. the world's first front flip Superman on a friggin' motorcycle. And he wasn't even practicing wow. it into foam pits at the time. He was just going and then That's he was cool. speaking at schools to kids. And so the reason why I share this story is because he had a catalyst to really add the mental game. You know, he really had this um, necessity to say, you know what, this is an outcome that I want and I'm going to add in this form of the mental game where I feel like it's really missing. Um, even now today, so few people are using visualization and the ability to quiet the mind. If your mind is always racing, you don't have the ability to stop that teleprompter in your mind. And when I'm teaching kids and, and try to distill like Zen athlete as small as I can, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Eddie, and I know we got to wrap up, but I know you do a lot of work for kids and I appreciate you for that. You're such an awesome guy. We talked about your kids on our first podcast. Um, um, so if you're teaching a kid how to do a basketball shot, teach them first thing, quiet your mind, take three deep breaths. An individual who has the ability to quiet their mind and somebody who can't is a fundamental shift in consciousness and how they navigate existence. Second thing is just visualize the shot going in. This will show you that you now influence your reality. There's an internal dialogue too. you know, say something positive. I can make this shot. I will make this shot. Also, you're directing your intent and your will. It will increase the probability. It's a fundamental difference um, in the quality of your life. And I think in the quality of consciousness, because you're doing something on purpose. And then the final thing is, if you miss the shot, what's the most empowering and positive perspective you can have? How can you be whole, complete, harmonious, even if you become um, 
you know, even if you failed at this one thing, this one time, not every single time, it's just this one time, but that ability to quiet the mind and, and move through that is going to allow whatever's happening in the unconscious realm, whatever's happening in the environment, whatever's happening that you can't even see, like your, your unconscious mind is picking up so much information, but it requires you to be able to kind of quiet that mind and really center into that moment like a Zen master or like a Zen monk or what an old Shaolin master would have to do or, um, geez, the samurais, because they're going to they're gonna die. How, you, how much more in the moment could you be if somebody's <laughs> going to stab you with a sword? And this was a part of their training. Mandatory necessity, don't pass go. And we have all this other types of training that's mandatory, like fitness and cardio and things like that. And I feel like it's the simple aspects of the mental game should be in sport, they should be in school, and they should be taught and tested and understood and revised and communicated. And that's my rant. It's not really a question. No, it's, <laughs> it's 100%. I, I, one, of, one of the missions of my life is to make sure that self-understanding, self-awareness, and mindfulness gets taught in schools. I think it's critical for our society to evolve to the next level. If we don't quiet our minds down and learn how to use that power that comes from that space, um, I mean, right now the distractions and the amount of data and the left brain is really, it's, uh, it's causing a lot of anxiety and a lot of problems. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. And I'll cap it off and with maybe a different perspective, um, but wraps it up nicely is that I think we should all recognize that we have more responsibility to own our ability to focus. I mean, um, you know, to go on about, you know, medications and self-medicating or prescription meds, you know, ADHD or know that well there's this problem and there's this distraction we have all this it's really easy to point the fingers but ultimately these are our brains and are we doing the exercises like mindfulness or or what have you um I'll do my plug for sleep here I become fanatical about sleep and sleep hygiene and doing that with my athletes if they're getting less than six hours of sleep a night I won't even do mental training until I get them on a decent sleep schedule because your brain just simply can't function that way um so there's that plug that I wanted to be sure to squeeze in. <laughs> um, we have to be responsible. Um, you know, these are our bodies, these are our brains. And the idea of, I can't believe how many athletes I've worked with when we talk about focus is actually something that can be trained. Um, you can do that with mindfulness. And if you're not practicing it uh, every day, you're not doing everything that you can to get better. It's more than just a skill. Um, you guys know this, when you're doing mindfulness, you're getting physiological changes in your brain. When you're not getting enough sleep, your frontal lobe is cut off from your amygdala and your emotions run wild. And there's nothing you can do about that because they're disconnected. So you have to do these things, get your sleep, do your mindfulness uh, in order to do all of the wonderful things that we've talked about today. Those skills won't work unless you've got the brain power uh, to, to get them done. Amazing. Very well said. I'm glad you came in it from that angle and I could dive in on sleep. I could dive in on a lot of things, but I just wanted to honor you both. Thank you both for who you are, for what you're doing in the world, for everything you're up to, for coming on the show. This is awesome. It was Likewise. an experiment. Um, so it was such a joy to watch you guys talk and be a part of that. Um, is there anything that you guys want to add? You want to add some closing statements, uh, maybe anything you want to share and also where they can find more about you if people want to look deeper into your work? Uh First of all, Matt, uh, same to you. Uh, really appreciate who you are and what you do. Same to you, Dr. Eddie. Thank you for a really uh, enlivening conversation with the three of us. This was awesome. So appreciate being able to, to be on and contribute. Um, 
the last thing I'll say is when it comes to what you're trying to achieve or any dream or desire that you have to, to always believe that anything is possible in any moment and to always believe that you are worthy of achieving what you want. If you're willing to be open and honest with yourself and you're aware of whatever the system is that you're going into and what it takes to get there, not that you can't push and stretch the system if you want, as long as you know what you're up against and you're not delusional about it. Um, it's yours for the taking if you're willing to put the hard work in and really dive into self-awareness enough so you break through that and let that belief shine through. And then as far as resources on um, where anybody can find me, um, my two books are I Am, The Power of Discovering Who You Really Are, and Time in a Bottle, Mastering the Experience of Life, both deep dives into self-awareness. And then the website is howardfalco.com or totalmindsports.com dot com where I teach about mindfulness and mental strength. Yeah, and, and concluding for me, um, this was so much fun, man. I could talk about this every day, all day. And so I really appreciated the, the, the newer perspectives and I'm gonna take the stuff that you guys have been talking about and, and bring it into my practice. So so thank you very much. Um, I guess my concluding comment goes back to where my passion and my heart is 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 to the listeners is to expect the adversity, you know, to welcome it as part of that process. Um, and the more that you can get comfortable um, knowing that you are going to sacrifice and bring that along for the ride, the better off you'll be. Um, as far as resources, dreddyoconnor.com, um, that course that I did is 12 hours, um, covers just about everything in the field of sports psychology through the great courses. Um, I've been really pleased to hear that the feedback on that course, um, they've had people who are 70, 80 years old who said that they can apply it, people in business and coaches, sports psychology, young professionals. So it's a nice combination of taking the science, uh, using sport as examples, but also applying it to life, that it's also for not athletes, uh, non-athletes. Um, and then I've got free resources. I've got like about 160 mental toughness in 60 second videos. So if you follow me on uh, YouTube or on my social media, I'm still putting those out. Um, so real short attention spans, one minute at a time, um, helping you be better. Um, and I speak. So if you'd love, to, if you like what I'm saying, you'd like to bring me in, uh, I'd love to travel and, and bring this to you. So thank you to both of you. Uh, amazing guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Anybody listening to this, definitely, definitely check out their work. Uh, Dr. Eddie, I definitely want to go through the course and Howard, you got to send me some books. Um, but these guys are masters. They know what they're talking about. You can learn a lot. So I appreciate what you guys are doing and for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate being here. See you guys. Peace. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Dr. Eddie O'Connor and Howard Falco in one spot. That was really a treat for me. I loved having that discussion with those two fine gentlemen, and I've had that idea before bringing on multiple guests, so I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind and try to line people up because I love hearing them converse and just having two incredible people, two incredible teachers really share their wisdom, and I chimed in here and there, but I absolutely love learning from those guys, and I learned a lot in that episode and I hope that you did. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to support and you want to help, just share the episode on Instagram, on Facebook, tag us, tag Dr. Eddie, tag Howard Falco. Let us know if you have any questions, what you like. Um, any feedback is welcome and appreciated. If you want to support the show as well, leave a review on iTunes. It is super helpful. Go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Toss a buck in the bucket, something you won't even think about. It really helps keep the show going. 
check out the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Academy. You can go find that at Matt Belair, and you're going to get exclusive content, interviews, the 21-day transformation challenge, access to community, guided meditations, Q&As, and so much more. So the Academy is awesome. I would love to have you in there. Super happy to get that thing off the ground and open to community. So I would love to see you over there. And for those of you guys who want some one-on-one coaching and you really want to level up, get crystal clear on that life vision, overcome that self-sabotage, and just create that plan and have accountability and help executing it, and also some expertise in navigating the path and the roadblocks that will come along the way, it does make it so much easier easier if you do have support. So if you want something like that, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and would love to hear from you and what you are working on. And I think that wraps it up. Um, Oh, remember to do an act of kindness. That's the best thing that you can do if you've listened to this whole episode. So I appreciate you being here very, very much. I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. Let's wrap this up by coming into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with contentment, peace, joy, inspiration, enthusiasm, happiness, excitement, curiosity, wonder, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.